Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We got to talk about some USC football, a lot of news and notes going around this Trojan football program. So we're going to cover all of it, staff changes on the defensive side of the ball, transfer portal news, a lot of stuff happening with players leaving and coming and all of that. And of course, USC has a bowl game they're getting ready for playing uh, ACC runner-up Louisville in the Holiday Bowl on December 27th. And we're going to talk about all that with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde, or go to his website, harveyhyde.com, for all of his content. And if you have questions or comments for our show, you can leave us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or call or text us at 424-254-9141. If you have the Apple Podcasting app, we really do appreciate it. If you would leave us a five-star review there, it really does help to grow the show. We had a flurry of uh, reviews uh, in um, in November. We got a couple of new ones coming in for December. So thank you very much for leaving us reviews. And I want to thank very much uh, Coach Harvey Hyde for joining us again on the show. Coach, how are you doing today, sir? Well, I'm doing pretty good, buddy. It's been a couple of weeks because we've sort of let everybody have a little bit of a rest and let things, uh, the dust settle. And now it's starting to get ready to get dusty again. As far as with the bowl game coming, National Signing Day, the portal, who's going, who's coming. I mean, uh, what new coaches, who's going to coach what. Uh, it's starting to be uh, a turmoil Christmas if you're part of the uh, football program and the coaching world. And if you have to decide where you're going to school, all of the above. But Merry Christmas to everybody out there. And uh Happy holidays, whatever you uh, practice, uh, I celebrate it with you. And uh, Ryan, uh, I don't know what direction you want to go, but call a play and let's run it. Yeah, I got to call a play. There's a lot lot of options out there, Coach, but so much going on. December is silly season uh, in college football. Yes, the regular season's over, but there's so many changes to coaching staffs. Of course, the transfer portal opens up, players entering, players declaring for other schools, all the while getting ready for your bowl game or potentially the college football playoff if you're Michigan, Texas, uh, Washington, or Alabama, getting ready for playoffs as well. So there's a lot going on. And uh, the you know, with USC trying to get a win against Louisville in the Holiday Bowl, you would think that would be where all the focus is. Uh, we've only had one day of media availability uh, so far. We will have another one today. Today's Monday. We're recording this Monday or, you know, morning. We'll be, I'll be on campus a little bit later to interview players and stuff. So we will get some media availability this week. But it's been kind of quiet on the bowl game front. So let, why don't we start with that, Coach? Just USC taking on 
a Louisville team that had a chance to make the college football playoff committee's job a little bit easier if they could have beat Florida State, but no, they did not. And Florida State goes 13-0, and the committee snubs them. But USC is going to have to take on this team. And bowls are crazy now. We don't know who's going to be motivated. If you watched UCLA against Boise State, they didn't even look like they wanted to be there in the first half and then played way better in the second when Ethan Garbers came in. Attitude, you know, do you, do you care about it? Who's going to play? Of course, USC is going to be without Caleb Williams, guys like Marshawn Lloyd, Brendan Rice. Um, so they're going to be missing some key pieces going into the game. And there's just, there's a lot of factors where the roster looks different. The motivation might not be there. The bowl game is almost like a whole different season coach to me. I don't know. What are your thoughts uh, going, uh, playing Louisville and the holiday bowl before we get into all the kind of crazy roster and coaching stuff? Well, I tell you, uh, they had to take it serious. Uh, the players that want to play, uh, have them play, but they want to play hard and they know the purpose of the bowl game. They love the game of football. They're not uh, using the uh, me team attitude. They're doing the team me attitude. And if players don't want to play in it, I wouldn't want them playing in it because they would distract the players who want to play in it. And uh, I wouldn't have them be a part of our practice. I wouldn't have them be a part of our festivities at the bowl game. Uh, I would say if you've decided to leave, I respect you. Go ahead and leave. Find your choices. Do what you have to do. But the guys that are part of our huddle are part of our team. I'm going to, uh, we're going to circle the wagons. We're going to go down there. We don't want to finish our season like we did last year in the Con Bowl against Tulane. We're going to go down there and play like hell. And I'd get a bunch of guys to go down there. If there's 50 guys, the one I, I wanted to jump in the foxhole with them. And we'd play uh, Louisville to the best of our ability uh, with all the uh, controversy and everything that's going on. I, I would look forward to the next season with guys who want to play football. And uh, I think that this is what the future has got to be as far as part of your football program. There's got to be new ways of administrating it. And uh, I've got my ways of doing that. We can't talk about that today. But you want to have people on your team that want to be there and want to be a part of your program. And I understand why some people want to leave. They don't see a future. They're not going to play. The portal's bringing someone in to take their position and all this and that. Fine. Okay, if that's what the uh, rules are now, regulations are now, okay, we'll deal with that. But I want to go down there and I want to play in, in San Diego with guys who want to lay their life on the line against a team that's really going to want to come and beat USC like Tulane did last year. So it's uh, uh, something that we're going to start our off-season program with, with guys that want to be here or want to be at USC with this bold victory. The seniors that are on this team to play, we're going to honor, respect them, uh, celebrate with them as UCLA celebrated and was so excited about that win. And uh, I think that's something to do. And I think that's something I would do. I wouldn't have anybody on the sideline as far as being a part of that program that didn't want to be. That's interesting, Coach. I kind of feel the same way because, like, seeing Liatu Latu, you know, USC's defensive star, at the bowl game, like, being interviewed and he's not playing, it wasn't like he wasn't able to. He just was, you know, could prepare for the draft. I don't know. I guess you're kind of mixed where you could have, like, he could be an inspiration to the players, but it also could be kind of a distraction too. That, but that, I thought that was interesting. Like he, it wasn't like he was training somewhere. He was at the bowl game, you know, and I, it's in LA. So it wasn't as, it's not like a travel or anything. Um, but yeah, that was interesting to kind of see Latu out there, even though he wasn't playing. I was very impressed with what his words were. He cared. He was in his SC Jersey. He was very polite. Uh, he, uh, told everyone how much he loved the program, loved the players. He was there. And in the other way, I haven't even heard of Caleb Williams. What did he do, fall off the end of the world? I don't know where he's been since the end of the football season. So, I mean, I think that you've got to be uh, really bought in. And I really see why some players don't play. I understand that, say, uh, on your team. If you're fortunate enough, you have one or two that might be drafted as far as in the first round. But other than that, there aren't more than that. And uh, he is a kid that's played hard. He's a defensive lineman of the year. He's won all the things. 
He, he talks so intelligently about the team and respecting and love his teammates and so on. That's the stuff I want to hear. And uh, I'm sure he's there encouraging his team. And I think the team itself understood why he wasn't playing. And they went out there in the second half and really played hard, and I think it was a great game. And, you know, if you're a UCLA fan, that's great. I, I know Boise State was playing without their quarterback, who was already in an Arkansas jersey. And they came down, brought a big group of fans, because that's what Boise State is all about. And UCLA beat them. And I think they can celebrate during the offseason. I thought it was a great win for them. And I hope to see USC can accomplish the same type of feat. For sure. And uh, it'll be curious to see if some of the players that have opted out will be on the sideline for USC. The one you mentioned already, uh, Caleb Williams. And, uh, you know, we've heard from Miller Moss uh, last week after practice. He's going to be QB1. We'll get into this in a bit, but, uh, you know, when we talk about some of the, the departures, but Malachi Nelson, um, is scheduled to, or, you know, it looks like he's going to be, he's not officially in the transfer portal, but looks like he's going to be entering the portal. So you got like a Jake Jensen, maybe backing up Miller Moss, uh, for the bowl game. But what are your thoughts about Moss getting the start here? He's going to be missing some other pieces. Like I mentioned, Lloyd and Rice, uh, you know, they're, you know, getting ready for the draft, but the, what are your thoughts on Miller Moss uh, coming in and getting this his first start? I think it's fabulous. He's been loyal to the program. Every other backup quarterback has left and gone into the portal. I think he's a Trojan. I think he wants to be at USC. I think he deserves the opportunity of starting a football game after what he's done the entire time he's been there. Uh, and uh, I'm glad he gets this opportunity. As far as the backup quarterback, whatever his future is or so on, uh, these guys, if they don't want to be a part of the program, it's time to move on. And you always have your reasons why you should move on. Uh, you know, here they are recruiting a quarterback during this period of time from Kansas State and they're preparing for the bowl game. And Lemon, uh, well, you know, he was supposed to be the backup. So he's... He's a young kid. His mind is confused and so on. Can he play? Can he not play? Is he good enough to play? Those are all the things that have to be determined by him, his parents, and the coaching staff. Do they want to save him? Or have they told him, we're cutting your IL, IL, NIL money off, and that might be a reason he wants to leave. So there's a lot of reasons why players leave. It's maybe they're being told they're not going to be the future of the program or whatever it might be. So, you know, in some cases, they're leaving. In some cases, they didn't play enough, like the receiver situation. They all didn't get their turns. They don't have the stats. And I always said they brought in too many position players at one position that are skilled positions, and you rotate them all the time, and they're all confused and all that that we talked about during the football season, that now you've got, instead of one unhappy player, three unhappy players, you got them all unhappy. So you're going to have a whole new receiving group next year along with new players coming in. So is that good or is that bad? You decide. All right, Coach. Well, let's go over to the coaching staff side of things. And we knew when Alex Grinch was fired uh, with two games left in the regular season that there was going to be a major makeover happening with this USC defensive staff. It wasn't just going to be Grinch. Uh, we know that Dante Williams has moved on. He's going to coach the secondary for Georgia. So uh, that's nice for you know for him. That's going to go to a program that's been winning national championships and all that. So that'll be interesting. He, you know, he goes from Oregon to USC, now off to Georgia. Um, we haven't heard specifically um, about Brian Odom, but we assume he's not going to be around any longer. USC gets Danton Lynn from UCLA. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on him, but they also went out and got Matt Entz, who is the head coach of North Dakota State. You know, he's won multiple national championships at the FCS level. He comes in, is going to coach linebackers for USC. So that's why you assume Odin's going to be out um, with Dante Williams out. They also brought in this week Houston defensive coordinator uh, Doug Belk uh, to join the staff. So three new additions with Lynn, uh, Entz, and Belk kind of get your thoughts on what's going on with USC's defensive staff and how they've kind of reworked things with uh, head coach Lincoln Riley. Well, obviously there's reasons uh, that uh, 
Lincoln Riley hired these coaches. Obviously, I don't know how much Lynn had to say with it. I would think he was involved in the hiring of the defensive coaches since he's the defensive coordinator and who he wants to coach with or believes in or he gets along with and and their systems and so on, which I understand are very similar to his. And I think they also have to be great recruiters. Uh, You've heard me talk about that. So it's what it's telling me. It's a combination of both. I think they're going to recruit the Houston area, so they're the Texas area, which they've been doing. So they normally they went down and got a guy that knows Houston or knows Texas, and I, I'm assuming this. And uh, not only the uh, is a good recruiter, I hope he is, but I think he should be. I hope a good secondary coach because they really had problems with the secondary, and uh, and then also they bring in a seasoned. Uh, head football coach who's coached at different levels and he's older and mature and I think he knows the game of football and they bring him from North Dakota State which I think that they bring him in to recruit that area or the Midwest area as far as uh, with his name recognition and who he must know throughout that part of the country. I think that that's one thought that they may have used and then Lynn as far as with his reputation now what he did at UCLA last year, I think it's helped him, like people are saying, with the Orange uh, Oregon State recruits, two of those commitments who have come to UCLA, and also his national image as far as around the country, as far as being up for um, the possibility of winning the Assistant Coach of the Year Award. So I think they have a fresh start. And uh, the thing that bothers me the most is how much effect will that make on this year's recruiting class? I mean, signing date is this Wednesday. So are they coming in just to help save the ones that have committed? And is Dante Williams going to try to take some of those players with him to the University of Georgia? So there's so many different things that are happening. Is the defensive line coach going to remain? I know they flipped around and brought a couple of new defensive linemen in. I think one from Georgia and one from Minnesota. So I don't know exactly what those players' abilities are. I think they're both three-star players, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're good or bad. So there's a lot of things happening, and how are they going to approach the the bowl game on the defensive side of the football? Are the coaches who aren't going to be there, are they going to be more interested in finding a job than coaching this game? Are they going to elevate uh, Taylor Mays to coach the entire secondary there's so many determinations, and I think when you're at practice today, I don't know if you'll have an opportunity to see any of these things or even recognize who may be in a jersey. I think the first thing you got to do, Ryan, is take roll. Take roll. Take a roster with you and just go down and start checking them off. Who's here and who's not here? Or who's walking around that's not going to play in the bowl game or has decided to go somewhere else or whatever. Now, those are the players I wouldn't have around there. Now, if you're going into the NFL, I think you have a different, maybe one player or two players, the most that I might have out there as far as encouraging your players being out there. But all the other distractions, they wouldn't be there if I was coaching the football team. And I'm sure that a lot of the coaches should be there, the new coaches, introducing themselves to the players and watching the techniques that are being taught to this uh, group of players who are coming back and pay attention to what's going to happen because this is an additional period of practice time that you can really utilize a lot in evaluating players. And if you remember when Lincoln Riley came to USC, they went out and evaluated some players as that team was practicing. So I would think that this uh, staff should do the same thing and try to be prepared more of who's going to play where and what type of ability these players have on the offense or defensive side of the football, but there really hadn't been any changes on the offensive side of the football. And they got to sort of regroup because they've got to decide who are going to be the receivers and who are going to be uh, the running backs. They got sort of wiped out on too. And, uh, you know, they got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of holes to fill. Let me put that along with the quarterback position. For sure. There is a lot of holes. You know, this was something that uh, I know shotgun, was discussing before, I think with like Chris Trevino on the uh, Helium Boys podcast, but you have a new, you know, some new defensive coaches. 
the bowl game isn't that far away. Your defensive coordinator is gone. Um, a couple of your assistant coaches are gone. Would there be any would as you as a head coach, if you brought in uh, you know a new defensive coordinator, for example, like USC did, would you let them sort of run the defense and maybe change things up, or is it just too much to do in a few weeks' time, especially with them out on the road recruiting? Is there any way you could incorporate anything from the new staff members? into the bowl game before you kind of go into spring ball and, and teach everyone the new system or whatever is going to be in there. Is there any way that you could use the, the the newly added coaches for the last game that's coming up that would be part of like the old regime? I would have my whole staff out there, the new staff take over because I'd want them coaching the kids. I'd want them to know the kids. I want the kids to get, uh, a lot of confidence in them, get fired up as far as for the next year as well as the bowl game, evaluate the players, utilize some of the new schemes they're going to use as far as getting ready for LSU. Remember, these are 15 days of practice. You can't wait. And I tell you, the teams you play next year, LSU, Michigan, you better be utilizing your time as far as the skills because the majority of your players are on that team now. You're not going to bring in a whole new team. You'll bring in as many as you can, but I'd have my new secondary coach coaching. I'd have my linebacker coach coaching. I'd have my uh, defensive coordinator there sitting in the meetings. And, and really, I'd be using the whole new staff as much as I could as far as turning this program around. You've got a lot. You can't waste time along with recruiting and everything that's going to be happening. And you introduce these coaches where they create a relationship with the current players or players that are there. And they know that uh, they can trust them. They like them. They see what's going on, and they can start to think about the future. I mean, I wouldn't drag on this defensive, <laughs> what do you want to call it, <laughs> problem that's happened any longer. Yeah. It's time to now charge, not retreat more. So I would have every single one of those guys out there coaching, creating a relationship, being in staff meetings, introducing the new system, then being able to work on the new system with the players on film and tape during the summer months and so on, going into spring practice. It's a whole thing. And finding out, can these kids play the system you want to run? And where they should play in the new system. Not having them in spring practice, what's the advantage? I don't see any advantage in it. Um, Not spring practice, but getting ready for, you know, the bowl game. No, I agree with you, coach. And uh, I, I would do the same thing. Like this defense was so bad. Why would you want to keep going with it now? Are the players going to be confused or like, can you put a whole new system in? But I don't know. I mean, you could make something simple and just coach them the way you want. Maybe it's only a week of practice that some of these coaches are going to be with them. But I, yeah, I would, I would go with whatever's new um, and not being a head coach before. I don't know. There might be all these logistical reasons why that couldn't work, but I'm I'm happy to hear you saying that that would work. Like, why would you keep the old stuff that that was you know that sucked? <laughs> you know, it was just terrible. Um, I'd rather go with something new that you're going to actually be using for these players going forward. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that, Coach. Oh, I did mean that, and and then allow your coaches you're not going to keep. Allow them to go and find a job. Because every day they're making calls to try to get a job, just like Dante Williams, he packs his bags and he's gone. Well, good, you're gone. We got a fresh start. Let's get our guy in there and coach these kids. So don't leave a vacant hole in the secondary. Bring the guys in and let them coach their linebackers, and they're not going to change everything. You're going to make it simple and uh, be able to approach the bowl game where the new staff has a relationship with the players and so on, and everybody else is more positive. And you sort of, what do you want to say? You clean the closet out, okay? And you start to hang new gear in it. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's go on to some of the, the uh, we talked about the staff a little bit. Some of the players uh, that are, you know, we'll start with departures first. Um, right now, there's 14 Listed, um, including a handful of five stars. Uh, Raleigh Brown, uh, Raleigh Brown is going to Arizona State, the, uh, the running back who switched to wide receiver this year. Came in late and played what he got a touchdown, um, uh, late in the season, but you know, he's going to leave. 
Um, Malachi Nelson, we already mentioned the quarterback. Uh, he's not in the portal officially as of this recording, but it's he's probably going in. We heard uh, this morning Damani Jackson, the five-star defensive back, is probably going to be going in the portal as well. A um, couple other notable names. Uh, wide receivers Michael Jackson and Mario Williams uh, are in the portal. Um, Michael Tarquin, the offensive lineman who transferred in, he's uh, in the portal. Vegas guy, Fabian Ross, we didn't see much of him in the portal, but as far as guys that played or you know could have been you know were contributors or could have been contributors, those are some of the bigger names. Any kind of thoughts, coach, on any of the players that have uh, that are going elsewhere? Yeah, I, I I think that a lot of these players came in with the idea they were stars and they're going to play right away and and become great players and go to the NFL and leave early and so on. And they didn't see this happen. And they played on a, uh, uh, a year that there was a lot of question mark on things that were going on. Uh, they didn't really know who was starting the next week. Uh, the rotations were continuously going on. They came from winning programs. And when you come from a winning program, you're somewhat spoiled You've been treated all along as a superstar. Uh, and when you don't be treated like a superstar and you're not playing like a superstar, then it's everybody else's fault but your fault. And a way, you know, you, the kids want to play football. And sometimes they don't, they, they can't play at the level they thought they could play. And they find that out when they get there that there are other great players that are, they're as good as you are. And they might have been a, a three-star player. So, And when one guy leaves, it's easier for another guy to leave. And when another guy leaves, it's easier for another guy to leave. And it goes down, down, down the way because it's more confidence that, yeah, I'll be doing the right thing. And it sort of becomes a ricochet of effect of things that are happening. And I think that's what's happening uh, as far as, well, if you're leaving, I'm going to leave too. Where are you thinking about going? I don't know, but uh, uh, I've been talking to this guy, and they want me to come down there, and they tell me again that I can start. Well, don't go somewhere unless you can start and play, but again, they've probably been promised during their recruitment to USC that they were going to be playing or starting or whatever, so they feel they've been done wrong. So you have this uh, in uh, programs that happen like this, especially when the program hasn't lived up to what it was supposed to be. And I'm sure that we don't hear all the talk that goes on as far as among the other kids and players from other schools and the relationships that they talk back and forth. And uh, the humility they got during the season when people were talking as well as I was talking and other people and the media was talking about how well they played or didn't play. And I think that really takes a toll on these young kids because it's humbling from being a superstar on national TV, taking your hat off and saying, I'm going to USC or I'm going to wherever on national TV instead of, you know, and then they think that uh, they're a superstar before they play the play. So it's a whole different uh, humbling experience when you come in, but there's a big difference between the high school level and the Power Five conferences. Yeah, there's huge difference, and we see it all the time. Players have struggles, you know, going from moving up a level, and some some players get even better. Uh, there's just there's a lot more upside there. So it's always interesting to kind of see that. But you know, some some guys that could have been key contributors, guys that played a bunch of uh, minutes for USC in the portal. But USC's also added um, some players, you know, most notably a couple of uh, Oregon State studs on defense, Achille Arnold, the safety, and Easton um, Arnold, the linebacker. Uh, also Vanderbilt defensive lineman Nate Clifton's coming in. Uh, I think some more players. You had already mentioned that USC's in on Will Howard, the Kansas State quarterback. So some other portal stuff addition-wise uh, is heating up. And, of course, signing day, you mentioned on – Wednesday, so we'll see kind of what uh, new players are added there. But 
So any thoughts on any of the guys uh, coming in? Well, you know, I just hope they're players that can play. Now, I'm not going to give you any names, but a lot of players that they brought in during the portal can't play, okay? Really didn't contribute to what uh, I anticipated in the play. And the first time I watched him play or so on, I would say can't move, too slow, no feet, whatever, as an evaluator. I think sometimes you can panic and bring in people off the portal or bring them in because you're so lean at a certain position, you're willing to fill it with anything thinking that somebody's better. But you got to be real sure when you bring in uh, a portal player. Now, you've seen a couple of players uh, in the defensive line area that were brought in, didn't play much, or one went into the portal and and so on. So you've got to be able to make sure you don't bring in a portal player unless you know he's going to start and you know he's going to contribute and he's going to be a part of the defense. Otherwise, you've got an unhappy guy at the beginning. So I'd rather use it or utilize it on a great freshman player and build him up to the foundation of the program then bring somebody in for one year and then have unhappiness among the whole positions because he's coming in and starting. He's not that much better. And I've seen that among, I'm not going to mention names, certain positions on the team that I didn't think could play. And uh, they proved that as far as me watching them play as far as during the season. Uh, I, I, there was a couple players uh, I didn't think could play in my junior college play, uh, program, which had we had a pretty good program, okay? Uh, but I'm not holding it out on the players. I'm just saying when you evaluate somebody that's a portal player, he better be a superstar. In fact, you know, you, you got to realize who you try to beat. And next year, you're going to have to play some pretty good football teams. So you better bring in some players that can line up and strike a blow and can run and have uh, love the game of football, not like the game of football, but love the game of football. And they're not just playing because they're nice kids, but sometimes they got to be kids that are a little bit on the edge and uh, do care about their degree, but also care about knocking somebody out and uh, have like, Ed Ordron said, you got to have one heartbeat. So I think that uh, you got to be very careful that a one-year guy doesn't have one heartbeat. But why is he coming there? He isn't coming there to be a Trojan, necessarily. He's coming there to enhance and be a me type of how I can improve myself also. So I think you got to be real careful on having too many portal players, but the ones you have better be contributing to the foundation of your program. All right, Coach. Well, good stuff. A lot of, lot of uh, kind of notes we had to talk about the program there. Why don't we do this, take a quick break, and we are going to come back and uh, answer some questions from USC fans about this Trojan team. So back in a minute. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. 
Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Are you looking to advertise a campaign, short film, a public service announcement, an important message? Look no further than Regency Outdoor. We have been around since 1974 and have the greatest locations in Southern California for your advertising goals. Our creative billboards are sure to catch everyone's attention, make an impact anywhere and everywhere in Southern California. To get started and for more information, call 310-657-8883 or visit regencyoutdoor.com. Regency makes it easier than ever to get your message everywhere in Southern California. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, joined alongside the coach, Harvey Hyde, who's been covering and analyzing this USC football team for decades. Coach, we are talking about the portal. Uh, one of the names I didn't mention that was in the portal um, is uh, the running back, Darwin Barlow, who transferred in from TCU. We had a voicemail about that. I'll play it for you and get your thoughts. Brian and Gerard, uh, perhaps we can get the skinny on Darren Barlow's departure. If Lincoln Riley is serious, as it seems to be, he's going to slow the offense down and rely upon a running back with both our two starting running backs leaving. Why in the world did they let Darren Barlow enter the uh, porthole? He was clearly one of the top three backs. You could even argue he was the most effective back for a short amount of time he had in there. It's a head-scratcher, and like to know what you guys are hearing. Well, uh, I agree with you. Whenever that kid had a chance to play, he didn't let anybody down as far as he didn't let me down. That kid ran hard. Uh, I don't know what his yards per carry was or touchdowns per carry was. But to me, he demonstrated to me he was a football player. And uh, I would have seen him play a hell of a lot more than what he played. He'd have had that football in his hands a lot of times. And that's why I've always said it doesn't hurt to go to a two-back system when you have two great running backs like they had and utilize them. To slow it down, run the football, watch Alabama play. Watch and see how many two-back offensive backs they use in sets and play action and crossfires and reverses before they throw the ball and all the different things. And I think that uh, the kid, I can't blame the kid for leaving. I think the kid will play in the pros someday. I really do. Kid's tough, he's big, he's strong, he runs over you. He'd have gotten better and better if you've given him turns. Somehow, I don't know, maybe he didn't have a good team attitude or the coach and him didn't get along or some damn thing. But I certainly, as I was, if I'd have been the head coach, I had a little bit of talk with my running back coach and said, what's going on here? This kid can, can, can play. And I would probably play him more and more and more because he's an underclassman. And I think Jones was a great player, and I appreciate it, and all of the him transferring in the portal. But I got to think what's in the best interest of the program and winning football games. So I think that there's times, and don't get me wrong when I say this, but you can take it any way you want. I think there's a point when Lincoln Riley has to conform and make some changes that his personnel fits what he's doing, not trying to do what he do does and leaving great players out of the rotations or out of playing football. And that's part of being a good coach. And I know he throws the football, and that's why I had all those receivers, but that's why all these receivers are defecting because they didn't get or live up to all the promises they had and catches that they normally have had before. So my point is, hey, you've got to take keep your great players and put them in a place where they can perform and help you win. And I think this is something that I look at as far as a coach and and as a head football coach, that's what I tried to control. Yeah, I don't think it's a situation where you're like letting anybody leave. I mean, there's some times where it's mutual, you know, and I'm not, I don't know the situation for Darwin Barlow, if it's mutual or not. Um, 
but sometimes it's not it's not under your control it's you know it's one of those things where um hey you know player just wants to go and and you know there's you you can make a pitch like here's what you're going to be if you stick around but the player's going to do what's kind of best for them but i my guess is coach that they wanted barlow to stick around and he just uh decided he was going to go somewhere else well I'd have sat down with him and I said, I got a nice NL, <laughs> NIL deal for you. And I wouldn't be offering you this unless I thought you were going to be a big part of our football team. Now, you can either believe me or not, but I'm not a guy that likes to waste money, okay? And I would have said, you're my man. And if the younger players couldn't understand that, that's tough, tough on them too. But you're my man, and uh, we want you to stay. And uh, here's what we're going to do. I would have kept him. I would have talked him into staying. Because the kid wants to play football, obviously. And I don't, I, to be honest with you, I think he got screwed. I think he should have played more. Unless he had some type of off-field attitude or something, missing meetings or whatever you're trying to say. Miss didn't give a damn attitude. Otherwise, he's a great football player. And I don't like to lose great football players. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Yeah, no, he. I think he. Whenever he came in, it was, wow. Okay, look at him. He's running hard and he's making a uh, you know a big difference out there. And uh, yeah, so it's one of those situations where it's unfortunate, um, but you know that's uh, it's the nature of college football right now. You're going to lose players that you're getting a lot of guys, but everyone if you get if you're really excited to get somebody. Someone's probably you know disappointed that they lost that person. So it kind of works uh, both ways. We had an email, uh, well, a text message from Sir Eric of Troy. Uh, he says, hey, guys, whatever happened to the lawsuit filed by Reggie Bush against the NCAA? Is USC planning to put the number five jersey back in the Coliseum or not? For some reason, I thought the new AD was going to do so. Might you have any idea what's up with this? Thanks and fight on, Sir Eric of Troy. Real quick, I'll give you some thoughts. I mean, Reggie Bush was, they had a Hall of Fame um, ceremony in Las Vegas where a lot of the players from that team uh, showed up. So there's there's been a lot of talk about, you know, hey, you should bring it back. But, um, you know, I've talked to people that are at the Heisman and, uh, you know, you can kind of point to the NCAA and they can point back. I think they would like Reggie Bush to have some, you know, it takes some responsibility and there might be a situation where that could come back yet, but I haven't heard anything else new on that front, but any thoughts um, from you coach? Yes. Um, well, I've been saying, you know, and I hadn't changed my mind on this. I thought uh, that taking his Heisman trophy away from him was absolutely ridiculous and cruel. And I was very disappointed that the university didn't fight for it and say, we're not giving it back. That's just the way it goes. But they couldn't wait to send back the trophy and take his name down off the Coliseum and all this and that. And I'm not, don't get me wrong. I know what happened was wrong and all of the above. And I know that he had an attitude. He could have taken care of that. Where that guy that turned them in uh, would not have turned him in, if you know the whole story. But I think, again, what he won on the field is, is deserving. And I think that uh, whether you like Reggie Bush or don't like Reggie Bush, the NCAA says, we're not in control of that. We don't have anything to say about that. It's, uh, it's the New York Athletic Club that runs the Heisman Trophy. And if you notice now, the only player I saw on the stage at the Heisman Trophy, Caleb Williams wasn't there, that I know of. And if either or any of the other Heisman Trophy winners from USC wasn't there, except for Mike Garrett, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they're sort of making a statement that we think Reggie Bush should be in here. Now, I'm not saying that's the correct way of doing it, because what a great award. And not only that, you're sort of turning your back on USC and the USC football program and the tradition it has as far as the number of Heisman Trophy winners that they have, and they should be displayed on the stage. But I think they strongly feel that Reggie Burst deserves his Heisman. And I think it's a tremendous award that should be celebrated as they celebrate it every single year. And now with the way things are, with uh, everything that's going on, it really isn't a big deal. But it was then. And you can't look back 
But we all feel, at least I do, that USC was overpunished with the sanctions and everything that went on. It was that USC was winning too many football games, and it was a chance to get even with everything, humble them. But the university didn't fight that. They didn't stand up and fight that. And when Mike Garrett made a couple of statements, well, they couldn't wait to get rid of Mike because they knew Mike was strong enough to take anybody on because he was a true Trojan and loved the game of football, loved the athletes' department where they won more championships under his leadership than any other athletic director that seemed to go the other way and they allowed that to happen. So, you know, I've got my strong feelings. You people have your strong feelings. But uh, I think that this is something that uh, will be lingering for years in the athlete department, unless there's a statement made by the university at the same time with the Newark uh, Athletic Club saying we think that he's paid his dues. And I think we paid our dues. I think it's time that we're able to put his name back up in the Coliseum and put his trophy back in our trophy room. But he won that. And there should be more respect at USC on what a Heisman Trophy is. During a couple of periods, I'm not going to mention the last staff and possibly this staff, those Heisman Trophies were riding around on golf carts at the practice field. That's not where a Heisman Trophy is riding around on. It's in a trophy case with a light on it. I think the respect of what an athlete wins at this level means so much to a young player and to the university that it should be, what do you mean, given more respect than to be, and Ryan, I don't know if you saw those things I'm talking about, but I don't think that's the way a Heisman Trophy was meant to be treated. Yeah. All right, we got our buddy Dan, class of 62, going to round out the show. He says, first, congratulations, Ryan, for breaking the news about Danton Lynn as USC defensive coordinator. Ah, thanks, Dan. Yeah, I posted on the, the if you're a member of the Peristyle, uh, yeah, that's the first place it was put out there. I got word um, during the Pac-12 championship game that USC was going to hire Danton Lynn, so I posted it on the Peristyle, and then, I don't know, like 15, 20 minutes later, it, it started to break on uh, Twitter and stuff, too. But thank you for that, Dan. He says, this hire gives me some hope for the future of USC football under Riley as head coach. Lynn appears to check all of the needed boxes. He has a proven scheme. He appears to teach defensive toughness. And he is uh, a known coach for good defensive recruiting. And he's young and on his way up the coaching ranks. Coach Hyde and Ryan, what are your takes on this hire? And how much do you know about Lynn the person and his relationship with local high school coaches, especially modern day in St. John Bosco? Fight on a win, Dan, of class of 62. Uh, what are your thoughts, coach? Well, I don't know what type of relationship he has with the local high schools or any high schools throughout the country, but he really never has coached on the college level to that extent. But I think he has to rely on the staff that he's hiring, that they have great relationships with Modern Day or St. John Bosco or any of the schools throughout the country. You better, because these players have a lot of choices. And uh, you better have a coach that can communicate with the young athlete when he meets them and be able to convince them that their future is going to be great under his leadership. And you've got to have assistant coach. I used to say this, and uh, maybe this sounds funny, but I used to say to my assistant coach, you lather them up, and when I come into the house, I'm going to shave them. And what I mean by that, when I come in, they've got them ready for me to come in and get a commitment that they want to be whatever I am, wherever I'm coaching. I'm going to close it. I'm going to dot the I. I'm not leaving that house. If I have to coach dinner in that house, which I've done before, order food in in that house, call the school up with that kid when we're there and say, oh, we're going to tell that school tomorrow that we're not going there, we're going to your school. I said, no, I'm not leaving this house. We're going to call them tonight. Because they're going to talk you out of it. And I want to hear you say that we've decided to go to USC. And me as a mother would appreciate you if you would not call my son and try to confuse him on his decision. Now here, I'm going to dial the number and you talk. 
And when they were through and hung up, I knew that they had told them that he's committed to USC and asked them not to call him back. And then I would say, if they call you back when I leave, then you know you can't trust them, but you ask them not to do something. And I really think that's what you have to do. You've got to be a great recruiter. I'd rather be a great recruiter than a great coach. I'll have great coaches around me, okay? I'll make sure of that. But I'm not stupid enough to know that I can outcoach people without having great players. And I don't want them all. I just want my share. And I think that's the most important thing, and people got to understand that as far as on the college level. All right, Coach. Well, great stuff. Uh, it was fun uh, chatting, catching up. I know it's been a few weeks. We took a little break. Uh, we got a lot of shows this week uh, heading into the Christmas break, but we're going to do signing day is on Wednesday, um, December 20th. So we'll have, there'll be a press conference at USC. So stay tuned to uscfootball.com for the coverage there. But Connor Morissette and I will do a podcast live on YouTube uh, Wednesday, probably noonish or so. Then we'll head over to campus, and then that evening, Gerard Martinez and Chris Gervinho will do their two-star recruiting podcast, uh, the Composite Recruits podcast, uh, live in studio as well. So that could be a very long show. I think they're going to take live calls. should be a lot of fun. Um, so make sure you check out uscfootball.com for all that. But a lot of shows coming up this week, and I'm glad we got to talk with you, Coach, and get your thoughts on everything, because a lot of changes going on. And uh Next time we talk to you, it'll probably be after the bowl game. So that should be a lot of fun. But thanks again, Coach, for uh, coming on. Well, thank you very much. And again, uh, we want to uh, tell you, I tell you this every week, that what I say is just my opinion. There's a lot of opinions, and uh, you have your opinions. Ryan has his opinions. And when you ask me a question, I'm going to give my real thoughts. So we want to wish you all a happy holiday out there, everyone. And uh, take care of yourself. Be safe. And we hope your team wins. All right. That's the coach Harvey Hyde. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show and uh, we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 